0: I'm still looking for somebody, an artist, or you may know an artist, to produce an intro to this song, to produce any sort of music I can use during this podcast, and then I will talk about them forever and ever and promote their music, their website, but I'm just looking for someone to give me some music so I can use it as a theme song or an intro or such. Now I use free uh, music that I found on the internet, and I have a couple different songs I changed up, so you'll hear a different intro each show. How are you guys doing? Are you ready to get out in the world yet? I, I am. I'm, I'm down. Today was the two weeks after I got my last vaccination shot. And so I don't think I'm invincible now, but I have a peace of mind that I can go out in the world and the killer error won't get me. And I can be around other people that are vaccinated as well and feel comfortable without a mask on and such. So that's great. That's I'm feeling good about that. Total vaccinations are climbing. As of this episode, 19% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. Here in Wyoming, it's 20% of the state population. Now, according to the experts, 70 to 85% of the U.S. population needs to be vaccinated to develop blanket protection over the country with very little viral activity. That's what we need to get back to normal. Now, can we get this done sooner than later? We are so fractured as a nation. Everyone has their own ideas on COVID and how to end it, or even if it's real at all. I see the US getting about 40% vaccinated real quick, real quick. We're going like gangbusters right now. Then we'll probably stall out. The people that want to get vaccinated are getting vaccinated now. But I see all sorts of polls and like studies and even Saturday Night Live sketches about why people will not get the vaccine. I think if you're a true American patriot and you care about your other fellow Americans, you will get vaccinated. But that's just my opinion. Now today's guest is Jared Newland. And like most episodes, I learned so much about Jared from him growing up in a small community to working all over the US. Now he's back in Wyoming and our paths have crossed so many times professionally, and we've even found ourselves standing next to each other at Wyoming football games. I can't wait to get back to standing next to each other at Wyoming football games.
1: I was born in Belfouche, South Dakota, and raised in Colony, Wyoming, which is 25 miles northwest of Belfouche. Uh, it's just between uh, the state lines of South Dakota and Montana and grew up on a ranch out there.
0: Wow. So, like, how did your parents meet in South Dakota or Wyoming? How'd they get together? No,
1: actually, they didn't. Uh, um, my grandfather uh, back in the early 1900s uh, ended up homesteading a ranch with, along with his dad. And, uh, um, and then that's, you know, my dad was born in Belfouche as well. Okay. And then, um, my mom and dad, uh, met in Minneapolis. Uh, oh, wow. my dad was in military school and my mom was a candy striper. Ah, wow. And, uh, so that, that's how they met. And then, um, so she moved, they got married and moved back to the, you know, out to the ranch. And that's where, uh, my ex, they had, they actually lived in uh, um, Iowa for a while and that's where my sister was born. She's three years older than me. And then I ended up uh,
0: uh, being born in Belfouche. And so it's just you and your sister as far as sibling goes? Or it, is, yep. it is. Yep. Yes. So growing up, were you, were you, I have an older, I have an older sister, but she's six years older than me. Were you fricking fracked? Did you do a lot of stuff together out in the ranch and stuff?
1: Be honest with you, we're kind of opposites. <laughs> she loves horses. Uh she grew up rodeoing. Uh she also participated in track and um basketball and stuff like that, but rodeo was her true love and and horses and so forth. And me, I was pretty much the opposite. Um, I didn't really like riding horses. Um, I enjoyed it I enjoyed the ranch lifestyle. Um, but I was more of uh give me the motorcycle, give me the uh Four wheeler, three wheeler, yeah. gather the sheep and the cattle with. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so out there, like what education wise, like, um, did you guys go to a really small school? Was it a surrounding communities that poured into one school or?
1: Um, back then, Colony had a two room schoolhouse. Uh, it was called Barroid School. Uh, it was called Barroid, named after a bentonite plant. Huh. Um, Colony, Wyoming is known as the bentonite capital of the world. Wow. Uh, there's three bentonite plants in Colony. <laughs> and um there used to be a post office that was actually housed on the ranch. And I wanna say it closed in the sixties. Okay. Um, but um but the only thing that colony had was the three uh bentonite plants and a truck stop back in the day. Damn. And uh that truck stop's no longer, it's just a trucking company headquarters now. So um, but the, the railroad does come out there, um, for the, uh, for the bentonite and, um, so forth. And, um, and I'll get a little more into the bentonite back in like 89 or 90 is when they started making cat litter with bentonite oh, okay. I actually was on the first crew that packaged the cat litter out of one of the plants out there. Um, It was a great summertime job, Um, a lot of double time, even triple time at times. And we were, we were working a lot of double shifts to make the, make those um, shipments. But a lot of the major cat litter that you see in um, the Walmarts and the big box stores is packaged right in Colony, Wyoming.
0: Wow. I'll have to check mine. it's local. It'll probably say Illinois
1: um, on it, just because that's, that's where the headquarters of two of the bentonite plants is. Uh, but that, but it is packaged right there.
0: Wow. And so with, uh, well, you worked there, but with the small school and such, uh, like how many kids were in your class?
1: I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I believe I was in the largest class ever of, of Baroid school. And I think there were seven of us. Seven, Yeah. yeah. And yeah. in the entire school, I maybe 20 at a time. So it was it was K through three in one classroom, four through six in another classroom, and then there was a lunchroom um, slash music room in the middle, <laughs> uh, type of a deal. And then um, then uh, everybody older and that would be bust Belfouche, which is oh, okay. five miles one way. Um, and they, they would the Crook County, Wyoming, would so-called pay out-of-state tuition to send the the kids in that area to Belfouche because it was cheaper and um safer for them to only take them 25 miles one way than into up into El Zeta Montana and then south to Hewlett which would have been about a 45 mile one-way trip wow so they they just determined way back when that that was the that was the best way to do it and then I ended up going to um Belle for school starting my fifth grade year and then not too long after that um the school actually um closed
0: down um i'm, I'm probably in the late wow. 90s i would guess wow so uh besides riding the motorcycles on the four-wheeling and no horses uh what other activities are you into i mean you said your sister did sports were you into sports growing up as a kid
1: yeah, um I, I wrestled and I played baseball. Um and then we only had two years of baseball where I was. Um and then we played uh, slow pitch softball with the old guys. Okay. <laughs> but we were still in high school, actually. Um I played a little bit of soccer, um, stuff like that. And I played football, but I I wasn't ever good enough or big enough to, to play football. Um, but I, I did enjoy wrestling a lot and I just had a lot of injuries, but other than that, it was a great, great experience.
0: Yeah. I wrestled three years. Um, two of them in, in Oregon, cause that's where I'm originally from. And then the first year I moved here in eighth grade, I was on the wrestling team. I came out and I pinned a dude in like five seconds. It was like shake hands, like shoot pin coaches thought I were some sort of like prodigy wrestler. Then I got chicken pox and was out for the rest of the season and it sucked. So I, I chicken pox at that age sucked. Like, you're pretty you're old for it and um came back lost a lot of weight so i dropped a weight class and so i'm wrestling with practicing with the heavyweight guy and i take my fingers and try to bend them to my wrist like mm-hmm. he does and i'm i mean i think I, I have a picture of it and i'll split it up and i only my doctor says you can't wrestle for two weeks we have one week left I was done with wrestling. A coach was like, you should tape it up and wrestle. And I was like, it's not that important for me to wrestle. <laughs> so I never wrestled again. I was like, nah, not that good. Uh, I played football and I skied in high school were my sports. I played soccer as a kid, but I played it till sixth grade because, and then stopped because I wanted to watch cartoons, but didn't, I wrestled instead. I don't know why. It was just the thing to do. Friends were doing it. And, uh, but did not enjoy it as much as I enjoyed playing <laughs> football, of course, and skiing. Like every once in a while, I remember in high school, we'd have to practice with the wrestlers in their hottest balls room. Mm-hmm. I called it and I'm like, we're supposed to be outside skiing, not in this humid swampy area, doing calisthenics, doing aerobics <laughs> and all the wrestlers, you know, making fun of us skiers. I'm like, I'm dressed to like run five miles outside, not do all this. And so, yeah, it was uh, respectable sport, but just wasn't for me <laughs> and everything.
1: Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot, and uh, had a great wrestling coach slash mentor. Yeah, and, um, he really he did a lot for me back then, and so I, I looked up to him a lot, and and skied too um, in the Black Hills. There's two ski areas right outside of Deadwood. Uh, right. so we so we skied a lot, and um, participated in 4H. Uh yeah. so we would go up there with our 4H group and things like that and uh and my mom would even in the younger age uh would be able to skip school like one time a month to go ski on a weekday versus a weekend because the crowds were less so yeah, enjoyed that
0: but uh don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I I had one huge wreck when I was a senior. Uh it sucked. I mean I recovered from it, but I raced back from injury and then skied for a couple of years after that. And then I moved to New York where there was no good snow. And I, so I was off my skis for a long time. And then I started dating girls that didn't ski. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not just going to go do this by myself. And the longer I've been away from it, I was like, if I go ski again, I'll blow out a knee. I, like, I know that injury is just waiting for me to strap them back up. And I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not skiing and avoiding that. And I know the technology's changed and the skis are really cool now and everything. And I have friends that still try to get me to go, but I'm like, I know it's going to be that one turn that my knee doesn't go.
1: I can't believe how expensive
0: it's gotten. That too. That too. I have friends that live down in Fort Collins and they grew up here. And uh, some of their friends down there are like, we found this ski area. It's in Wyoming. Have you ever heard of snowy range? And they're like, oh yeah. We've heard of snowy range. <laughs> yeah, that's why that hill's so so
1: um, successful. I mean, they keep their prices yeah. uh, moderate, and um, and it's and this year they've gotten more snow than Steamboat's had.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, I'm glad they've kept it down the prices. I mean, if I ever want to get back to skiing, that's a place I know that ski that hill so well. I've skied it forward, backward, sideways, as a racer and such, hiked it, done it all on that hill. So. I wasn't always rushing to go back to go there, but I'd rather go there and pay 50 bucks than 120 at like Steamboat and Daring Peak. Well, Steamboat's,
1: Steamboat's 250.
0: 250, yeah. that's ridiculous. How yeah, ridiculous I, is that? Yeah. Not, not that important to me to go and do that. No, no, no. no. And so, well, growing up in those small communities because like I've never lived anywhere smaller than Laramie. Like I've got, I grew up in a suburb of Portland, Laramie, Long Island for a stretch and then back here. And, uh, so I'm always fascinated. Like, how'd you find somebody to date? How did you like (laughs) all that kind of stuff? Did you have to scour the counties and, Oh, there's a nice girl. Or meet at the the dance. Like, I'm just wondering how it works. No,
1: you know, I'm obviously, uh, wasn't really interested in in dating until and by that time I was involved in a lot of activities, able to drive.
0: Oh yeah.
1: So, Back then, South Dakota was 14 to get a learner. It wasn't even called a learner's permit; it was just a oh, yeah. permit, and and we had a hardship rule that if you, as long as you went to and from directly to school after your activity directly home, you could drive after dark and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I was able to do that, so I could, you know. Be there for school and then come home after practice type of a thing. And then, you know, had a good group of guys and friends that we hung out with and playing in the park. And I had uh, two grandmas that lived in Belfouche, so I had a place to go after school um, and things like that. So, it, you know, it was, it was good. Um, got, to, like I said, got to meet a lot of, a lot of good friends that I still keep in touch with today. And, um, but, you know, in the, uh, when it wasn't sports season or school season, I was usually just out at the out at the ranch working or at the midnight plant working. And um and then at night um we would play slow pitch softball. There you go. <laughs> Grab the towel and, uh, and uh, play some softball, have a beer and come
0: home. So it's like a, it's like a country music song right there. There you go. <laughs> uh, um so like uh, education wise, were, were you in edge would you were in into classes, were you into getting grades, or were you pushed to get good grades? Um, you know, it was
1: as long as, as long as you got your stuff done. I wasn't pushed um, yeah. by any means, but just make sure you got get your stuff done. Um, I wasn't, I don't know, I enjoyed school. Uh, back then, I really enjoyed math. Um, I don't know why I never took the engineering route or anything like that in college, because I, I really did enjoy math, and she was one of my favorite teachers growing up. But um, uh, I, I don't know why I didn't do that, but science and me didn't get along. I know that. <laughs>
0: I well, I should have been pushed more for having the educators that surrounded me. Um, my mom and stepdad then to Portland University. My stepdad taught at university level. Uh, my mom, my dad and stepmom are teachers, were teachers now, they're retired, like third grade teachers. My stepmom was my third grade teacher, but he's my dad's my dad's girlfriend at the time. And they didn't push me like I you would think. Like I knew college was always, never not a choice. Like I was going to college, but um, I thought my way out, my way through things was going to be through athletics. Um, I always felt I was a step behind because I'm left-handed and I had to mirror everybody's thing, like how to spell, how to write, how to do everything. Cause my mom was dead set against me being switched to right-handed. Like it will stun his creativity. I'm glad she didn't. Cause I enjoy being left-handed and everything. But it was difficult to learn. I didn't know another fellow left-hander until middle school or later. And I'm like, how do you do it? And they did it with ease. I was so mad. I was like, how do you write? How do you do this? And they're like, oh, it's this way. And I'm like, God, it's not fair. That You can do this with ease. And then they started making left-handed everything. And that's kind of cool. But once you adapt to trying, you know, using the left hand, the right-handed stuff left-handed, you figure it out and you're like, oh, this feels weird using with my right hand and everything. I can put right hand. And if I, if I put my mind to it and bat too, if I really think about it, so, but I never was forced into it. And so I always felt a step behind in education. And then I was like, okay, athletics is my thing. I'm good at it. Like I'm a good enough athlete that could lead me out of Laramie because I hated Laramie when I moved here from a suburb of Portland to this place at 13 years old, it was rough. And so I was looking for every out, every out that I could get out of this town. And, uh, my senior year kind of made it all right. Like I had a really fun senior year education wise, girlfriend, sports, everything kind of came together, but I was still trying to get recruited out and eventually it was like, well, I'll go to the university of Wyoming. It was a, it, which is sad because I love the university of Wyoming now and it's treated me my my family well and my myself well. But in the beginning, I was not a big fan because it drug us out of Oregon to here because my step got a job yeah. and everything. So when you finished high school, like, was college your goal? Did you know what you want to do after high school?
1: Well, I, I really wanted to wrestle, continue wrestling in college. Um, I just – ha- I had three knee surgeries in high school, and um, my senior year got stuck short. And I, I honestly probably wasn't good enough to compete at the Division One level anyway, but I enjoyed it so much. And, and I went to a couple wrestling camps at the University of Nebraska – and so um, it came down to Wyoming and Nebraska where I was gonna go to college. And um, those are the only two places I applied. And then so I ended up going to Wyoming because technically we get in state tuition uh, living in Colony, even though oh. was high school in Belfouche. Um, but uh, um, so I uh, went there and uh, I asked the wrestling coach, you know, in high school, I said, what should I do? You know, um, I, I really want to do this. And he stuff well, he goes, you love sports so much. You have to stay in the field. You have to be involved in sports. So I, I went down there and um, I actually talked to the late coach Suter at the time to ask him if um, I could walk on. And he, he said, yeah, if you want to, I have to do some things here and talk to the captains and stuff. And I, I went to a few practices and stuff like that, but I knew that it probably wasn't for me. Um, so after that, I stayed involved. And I went and talked to Bill Lyons, the athletic trainer at the time, um, to see if there was a way that I could be involved that way. And I didn't even, we didn't have trainers in, in my high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't even know what the heck they did. But <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to be involved. So I um, actually so-called walked on the training staff and started observing, started learning um, some things and taking all the classes I needed to. And eventually I was put on scholarship to be an athletic trainer. All right. And um, that helped pay through pay for school, and you know, got to meet a lot of really lifelong friends—football uh, guys, wrestlers, basketball players, whatever it may be—and um, still keep in touch with a lot of them today. And then, um, when I decided I didn't want to be in sports medicine as a career, um, I went and talked to Kevin McKinney and started interning up in the uh, sports information office. So I was doing both the sports information and training at the same time for one full wow. year. And um, it just helped me get through school. And then that was my career path uh, out of college um, for a while was sports
0: information. Yeah, I, I remember you around the, around the area. Uh, <laughs> I, went, I came through the door with broadcasting. Uh, you know. Did not see that coming. Um, even though my stepdad, that's what he was doing and teaching. I thought it was going to be like marketing or another teacher or something. Uh, he had me working for my senior year of high school. Uh, I would go and carry equipment for K2 for football games. And then basketball uh, basketball and football, I would roll in tape during the coaches' shows. And he'd pay me out of his pocket, 50 bucks or whatever, because they my parents don't let me work because they're like education and, and athletics is too important for you to have another job. In the summers, I could work, but not during the year, but this was the first time I was working and it was only weekends and such. And I was like, yeah, it was fun. It was cool. It was interesting, but I still didn't think that was my ticket to where I'm at today. And uh, it was fun because as a lineman, you don't get talked to by the press after a game, but when I go and and I'm around the press the next day that covered my game the night before, I got a lot of good questions. So I had a lot of good, like many press conferences with like local with probably the way teams coach, and then our co- our not press people, and so it was interesting. It was fun, and then ended up in uh, going to UW, and my stepdad was like, "Hey, you should be an intern for me. You'll just carry equipment, very similar to this. Just sit and learn, see if you like the stuff." About halfway through, I'm like, "Yep, I'm a broadcasting major. That's it," because mm-hmm. I was I was on the floor, I was everywhere, like <laughs> sports information. I was there shooting, I was meeting all these athletes. I was meeting all these great cool people that were working in sports, which I loved. Yep. So it was great to do that. I love that aspect of college, my broadcasting stuff, but the the other side, uh, all the other classes took me the extra time to get through college. And so like six years, but I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I kind of drug my feet and I wasn't the best student. And I enjoyed college for everybody and everything and partied a lot. And oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. And I enjoyed it. had the college experience. So did you live in the dorms when you first came to school here?
1: Yeah, I lived in Or Hall my uh, freshman year. Yeah. Um, the first semester, uh, lived with a guy from Texas. And then a buddy of mine from back home in Belfouche lived with a guy um, in McIntyre Hall. And we all got along fine, but Corey and I just decided, let's just live together. I mean, we're probably going to live together after this anyway. Yeah. Uh, so he moved over to Orr Hall, and um, we, and then uh, sophomore and junior years, we lived together um, in a couple of apartments. Um, I think I lived in, gosh, in the six years I was actually in Laramie going to school, because I went one year of grad school. I probably lived in like eight
0: different places. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I hear you all the time. Like now where I live, the house that I live in now is the longest house I've ever lived in, in my life. And it's like, uh, 10 years, almost 11. Yeah. And I'm like, and it feels good because I've moved around so much. I still probably keep stuff in boxes because you never know when you're probably going to move again. Yeah, I, I feel that like, I definitely in college, I felt like I lived in Mac entire my first year. Um, and I kind of went through the same situation. I had a roommate from Germany. And uh, he was 21 year old. I brought everything to the room, TV and everything. I had a fake ID, so I didn't need him to buy me any alcohol or anything. And, uh, but there was a guy from Laramie down the hall. And I, with our class sizes being big, I didn't know everybody. I went to my graduating class. I knew of them, but there's lots of people I didn't even have classes with for five years that I went to school in Laramie. Uh And so we would just run into each other. And I was always playing Madden on Sega So he'd pop by and next thing you know, his roommate moves out and I was like, I'll move into your place. And my roommate's like, sweet. I got a guy lined up to move in. So it all worked out for the good. No ill will between anybody. It's just kind of one of those things that worked out. And, but yet I was kind of like, ah, it's just another Laramie dude. Like I know everybody in Laramie college is about meeting people beyond the whole aspect of your own hometown. And I was already going to college in my own town. And so I was like, God, how do I? break this mold, meet other people. I tried and you meet people at parties, but still kind of circled back to these Laramie folk. And two of my best friends are, we went graduated high school together, but we weren't tight in high school. We became a whole lot tighter through college and such. Um, but it was interesting that I was like, man, just more Laramie people. I ended up joining a fraternity just to meet other people. And it was fun. I got my best grades there. Got, cause they had study tables and they're like, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta study to yeah. party. And I was like, right on. But I turned 21 while I was in the house, like at that time. So I was like, go to the bar or go to the frat house. And I was like, eh. And I thought it'd be great for networking, but I never had to use my fraternity connections for a job. And so, but it was fun while it lasted. I can't, I won't totally knock it. I don't know. University of Wyoming isn't the most pro Greek system out there, which the Greek system I think is kind of about to get phased out. I don't know if it works with college anymore
1: yeah and it it changed a lot um just through the years I was there. I mean, it was you could say it was kind of a big thing, but it wasn't because there just wasn't that many um houses anyway yeah and and fraternities or sororities. Uh, but i you know I, I still i I have a lot of friends that were in the sigma new house okay um and just I still see a lot of them a lot of them in the neighborhood I live in now. Yeah. And, it seems like that and things like that. And the, even a lot of the, the sororities, I remember, you know, just in the group of friends we're in like which sorority these these ladies were in and stuff. It's just kind of weird. But
0: yeah, it, it's if it was a bigger like my friends that went to other colleges like, oh, my God, the Greek system is so huge at our schools. And I'm like, it's less than 15 percent. Uh, here, I mean, probably yeah. less. Probably less than that. Yeah, I don't even know what the number would be. Yeah, and it was bigger at the time, and now it seems like a lot of those sororities, at least Pi shut down. A lot of fraternities are gone too, and so it's weird. I was a Pike, and they're on the other side of the road, which is which cracks me up. I'm like, holy yeah, God's it's on all... the sorority side. <laughs> yeah, no, it's on the it's on the fraternity side now. The oh, the Pike House. Yeah, the Pike House now, where it used to stand, is a uh, sidewalk. It's a big crawl. Like they tore down the house. I can't remember if there was pipe problems or something. It was just bad structure, and it had to go, and so it doesn't exist. And their house, they bought. I can't remember whose house. It might be Sigma News old house. I don't know. It's weird to look over because I I work in IT, so I always walk down that road, and I because IT's where the bunkhouse used to be. Yeah. And so I look over and I'm like, that's a Pike symbols over there. I'm like, this is so weird seeing it on that side, but. It was oh, so long ago, more than 20. 30. Well, and then
1: the one on the corner on the frat side is an honors house now, right?
0: Yeah, and that was my brother-in-law's fraternity. He's always sad to see that's honors. And I was like, well, at least they're getting good grades in that house like, <laughs> and everything. And so you're on through sports information. Like, What, are, what were some of the highlights of, of, of having that job?
1: Um, As a student, I got to cover wrestling. Um, in 95 and 96, and that was probably the highlight because 95 is, um, uh, the year that, uh, so 94, excuse me, and 94. So Reese Andy, uh, when he made the run through, uh, the number one guy and pinned him in, uh, out in North Carolina and placed second that year, I still remember it it might be my favorite newspaper headline of all time. It says dandy is aunt. Andy
0: is dandy on Tobacco Road. Wow! Yeah, I, I, so, it does sound familiar. That press yeah, because he like, pinned the
1: number one guy from Morgan State. Um, so he played second that year, and then '95, I actually got to go with the team to Iowa City for the NCAA championships. So that was definitely my highlight um, as far as traveling and stuff like that. Uh, the Pokes didn't do as well that year. Uh, Reese was hurt, and a couple of other guys just didn't perform as well. And then '96, um, I did not travel with them due to budget uh, wow. circumstances. But that's a year they they um, had three All-Americans and placed in the top 20. Wow! So yeah. kind of, you know, being able to um, have those teams or cover that team those three years, um, and we actually got some outside coverage, like from uh, the Denver Post. I just still remember this guy. He covered. He would cover Wyoming every once in a while. His name was Fred Morrow uh, but I, I called him up one time and said, Hey, Fred, would you do a, be interested in doing a feature on, um, our wrestling team? And he goes, Oh, absolutely. This is great. And there was a big piece in the Denver post one day about it. And it was a lot of it was on Reese, of course, but it was a lot of things. And he, he actually came up for a match when they hosted Oregon state. Um, and it was, you know, number one against number two in the country. And, um, back then they, they didn't put those in the arena. It was in the so-called mpg back then now the union bio but there was there was standing room only in there and there was actual like it was almost like a, a movie because there was little kids sitting on the corners of the mats that's how close everybody had to be and unfortunately reese did lose that match but it was it was an incredible experience and at that time it was the most people ever in the MPG for a uh, wrestling match. So attendance record. So that, that was probably the highlight for me. Um, I left that summer and took an internship at the university of Tulsa. So I missed the 96 football season. In Larry. Um, I got to see, you know, as many games as possible on TV. I did make it home for the home opener to watch that, but I didn't get to see any of the games. I didn't get to go to, uh, Las Vegas for the championship game. I was with the University of Tulsa at that time. I was covered. I um, um, covered their women's basketball team. So I was traveling with them. And I remember where I was that day <laughs> at a tournament in Cape Girard, Missouri, of all places. And luckily, they had uh, TVs in their concourse. So uh, every time out I could uh, get up and leave the scores table, I would go out and see what the score of the football game was.
0: I was there. I was there recovering from the flu. I got sick a few days before, and I, the whole drive down, I'm just pounding. theraflu flu. Never <laughs> been to Vegas. Never been, and then so we, I'm. I sleep taking stuff. Luckily, nobody else got sick. But we get to Vegas, I'm good to go. And I so the first night, like we go out, fully hydrated. Yeah, fully hydrated, ready to go. I think we gambled for a while, won some money, playing like roulette and stuff. Like, and the day, like the next day, was the game. Got better and better, and. We, our tickets were way too close to the BYU section uh, because we didn't get any alcohol near us. Like I'm like, hey, why don't we meet people over here? Because they wouldn't even bother selling in their sections at all. But the good thing
1: is that side of the stadium, there was plenty at the actual yeah. concourse.
0: Yeah, yeah, we could definitely. And we, the dirty looks we get, you know, getting back to our seats with a bunch of beer in our hands from all the people wearing the blue and white was always so fun. You dirty and, even. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, but I remember that season well that season I happened to be roommates with uh, wall work he was one of my roommates and John Davis which was backup quarterback and then Demetrius Hamilton and Shane Glager every single dude in that house was bigger than me and I wasn't a small dude at the time <laughs> and so it was uh, like I better not pipe off man they will just kick my ass like And even Josh and John were big guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And John had a hair trigger. Like he was like, I'm glad he was a friend of mine. Now he's a state patrolman out in California. I'm glad he was a friend of mine at the time. Uh, and so, and he's a big old Niner fan. So we always got along and, uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, and Josh, I, mean, I met Josh through some other friends. He was a broadcasting (laughs) major, but I was a TA. So I didn't quite know him there, but I remember we're sitting at a baseball game, one of the last ones at UW, and he's like. Hey, do you need a place to live? And I'm like, yes. He's like, we need a roommate. And I was like, I'm in. Dude, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. We lived downtown <laughs> It was a dirty house. Like they were just so wrapped up in football, doing stuff all the time. They, yeah, it's, yeah. they cared. Well, I love doing some football players too. Yeah. They're,
1: they're not clean people. Yeah.
0: It's gross. And, and so I'm sure I, I got really sick there too. I remember there was a week I had to go home, like to my parents' house, just to get healthy. Because I was so sick. I don't know what was in the house or what happened, but it was terrible. Oh, I know it was
1: in there with Josh.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. No <laughs> so down. Like, uh, I cannot divulge too much about those guys. Cause oh, I was, no. I used no, no. to crack up because I worked in the media. And I hung out with a bunch of athletes. And they never questioned, like, my loyalty. Because I was like, nobody in the media has ever come up to me and be like, those are your roommates, what he got on him. And I'm like, I wouldn't say a word, but like one of the crazier times was during that season. um, Marcus Harris catch I'm shooting football. I'm tied on the ball. I shoot with both eyes open. So I know what's coming at me. He catches it on the sidelines, lands at my feet, gets up. And he's like, Oh, Hey rude. What's up? Where's the party at tonight? And I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're you're causing attention with all these media people around us and you're like oh. the greatest wide receiver in the nation right now. I was like, dude, no, not, not, not now. And then one time we're out partying. He's like, Hey, let's go, uh, let's go watch some a herd of elk. And I thought that was code for something like not watching a herd of elk. Next thing I know, it's a group of us are out west of uh, West of Laramie watching a herd of elk with Marcus Harris. He was such like a, Oh, here's oh, <laughs> Just a regular joke. Yeah. But from like the sticks of Minnesota. So he loved yeah. all that hunting and this diet, like he could care yeah. less about the fame and for like being on the cover of anything. He was like, yeah. Oh, I want to do this. And it was, it was fun like that. And, and he's was, still that it, way today. Yeah. I haven't, I always miss him when he comes into town or I'm only under the, I always say the darkness, <clears> you know, that I never know that he's here. And so, but next time around, I've got to figure him out. And I was like, Josh, let me know when you guys are in town again mark is here too he's like okay because i want to tell that story to his face and he's like oh yeah dude i remember that you know so i think they're
1: planning a 25th reunion this fall for the 96
0: team nice so cool yeah i mean i had josh on the show and i've had wayman on the show both guys i've kept in touch with for a long time now
1: i actually texted wayman today yeah (laughs) You. um 7220 sports.com did a piece on the sports gambling bill that came, that was signed today. Oh yeah. Wayman said, yeah, I want to talk. So he <laughs> some quotes, great quotes in there from Wayman about his, I mean, yep. he's not professional, but he, he says he makes money at it. So anytime you're above, um, you know, if, if you're making a profit sports gambling, you're dang near a pro. <laughs> so, um, but there's some really good quotes in there. So
0: nice it's hard to be around him when he's into that and he's on different devices and doing that kind of yeah Yeah, we've hung out multiple times i'm like dude get away from your screens he's like money man money i like, I got you yeah he's betting on WNBA. you better watch out (laughs) yeah no doubt some of those things oh there are times where i'm like why i I just don't have that i love sports and all but that just takes it to a whole new level (laughs) of of obsession to watch sports I could care less about sometimes. Nothing oh, yeah. against WNBA there's a lot of other sports I'd not like to watch either. Yeah. You're probably betting on like cornhole. You know, that was... I'm sure you can. Table
1: tennis, Russian hockey, whatever it may be.
0: Like I remember this summer, this last summer, 2020 COVID, cornhole was the only thing on TV that I could watch. Cracked <laughs> me up. And UFC. I was like, we're such rednecks right now. Yep. watching Cardinal and UFC were the only sports going on for a little bit. Uh, so once you, okay. You had that internship at Tulsa. What was it like being in Tulsa as opposed to Laramie, Wyoming? Um,
1: you know, it was the first time for me being away on my own. Um, I enjoyed it though. Once again, I was, you know, working in an athletics department, getting paid to watch college athletics, which I have a passion for. Um, so that, that was good. Uh, there I covered women's basketball, uh, men's and women's soccer, and men's and women's tennis were my sports that I was in charge of. And then um, I actually did get to go on a football trip to UTEP um, because basketball season had started, and that time Tulsa men's basketball was really good. They were coming off a year where uh, God, Chase Seals was his name. Huh? He made it to the Sweet 16, I think, the year before. So, um, there was a lot of, uh, media focus on the basketball team at that time. Um, and then, uh, after that year, I took a full-time position in media relations at the university of Texas, San Antonio. So I stayed in the South, uh, yeah. humidity and heat in me, I don't really like it, but, uh, I picked two of the hottest places I think I could go for that. Um, but I, I really enjoyed San Antonio. Uh, I mean, I'm making peanuts it's hard to make ends meet back then uh especially in media relations Uh, but i just loved it so much and uh utsa was the host school of the 1998 final four and that's what i really wanted to be uh, there for um, because in media relations we were heavily involved i went to meetings with the ncaa with my boss at the time and um and got to meet a lot of really good people and and at the Final Four itself was just incredible. I mean, it was starstruck. Uh, the people oh, yeah. I was sitting around, uh, got to talk to, uh, the events I got to go to and and the people I got to meet, and still I've stayed in touch with some of those people to today, that you know, ESPN people and things like that. So it's it's uh it was a great experience and um of all teams. Um, that year was the University of Utah. They played Kentucky for the championship. Oh uh, yeah! Back in the whack days, I was like, I see these guys all the time. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it was cool yeah. seeing that. So,
0: was that the Van Horn Miller team?
1: Uh, it was a year um, after Van Horn or before Van Horn. He was not on that team. Okay, uh, Andre Miller was though.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep, and there was a couple other uh, guys. Uh, Britton Johnson, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, and then there was a uh, Redhead, uh, what was his name? A bunch of those guys played in the NBA, though,
0: yeah, yeah. They were
1: actually, I want to say, they were up on Kentucky at 10 at halftime and they just ran out of gas. Uh, Kentucky just ran them into the ground in the second half, but Alan Edwards was on that team
0: on the Pokes team on the Utah team. No, on On the Kentucky team. Okay. Yeah. He played
1: on their 96 and 98 national championship teams.
0: Oh, wow. I did not look into his background very much. Yep.
1: (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, like I said, it was just a great experience. And then, um, from there, I just decided I wanted to get back to the mountains, uh, you know, at least to, to fresh air type of humidity. And I took a position at university or Utah state university in media relations for a while, uh, and then, um, after, uh, I was only there for one school year and then I took a position with a sports marketing company, um, in Chicago. So I went out wow. there for a year.
0: You got around.
1: Yeah. Like around. I've lived in a lot of places in uh, college, but, uh, four, four cities in four years was different than just, uh, eight places in six years in college.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, Well, in all different, I mean, a lot of Southern, but then you get to Chicago and gosh, that's gotta be a a trip in itself. Yeah. I remember
1: the first day I was there, um, the apartment I was going to rent or rented um, wasn't available for like a week. um, And I got there. So I was just going to, I just slept on a coworker's floor and I pulled up in the alley to unload some stuff. i Seriously, take a load upstairs. I wasn't gone from the vehicle for let—I mean, more than five minutes. I come out, my car's gone. Oh shit! And I'm like, what the hell? And and so I called the I call the cops, all the stuff, and they said, well, it's been impounded. Um, you were in a, a no parking zone. <laughs> I was like, I was literally unloading stuff, and I mean, there had to be a tow truck just watching. Wow. And yeah, so I. That was my first day there. I had to take a cab, uh, some $20 some dollar cab ride to go get my car, paid a couple hundred dollars to get it out of impound, drive back. And this is before um, cell phones or cell phones were just coming out, but they we didn't have smartphones yeah, and um, GPS and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like literally have papers I printed off of directions on how to get places, you know? So that, that was my first day in Chicago, but, um, it was, I, I, I enjoyed living there. I, I traveled a ton. Um, so I didn't really get to experience all the day-to-day stuff that Chicago offered. But when I was there, I certainly had fun, Yeah, but I, I traveled a ton and stuff and still in the college, uh, sports scene. So nice.
0: Um, what about, like, did you get to go to any, like, baseball games, Cubs games, anything like that? Or
1: Yeah, I went to um, quite a few Wrigley, uh, you know, games at Wrigley Field. Um, it was, once again, it was, like, one of my first days on the job, uh, the VP of the company goes, hey, go to this um, rooftop party um, with one of our clients. So I was like, I didn't know what, honestly, I'm just yeah. from Wyoming. I didn't know what all this stuff was. So I rode my bike down there and, um, and showed my id when i got to this rooftop place and they said yeah come on up and it was red carpet service all you can drink all this kind of stuff and i ended up hanging out with the uh, staff of the depaul basketball team they were all there cool so we uh we went to murphy's out in center field afterwards a big fight breaks out in murphy's and they literally there's like three divisions three different rooms in murphy's and these glass doors they just pulled them shut. And we were the only people in the center one, everybody else had cleared out. I'm sitting there with the DePaul basketball staff and doing shots with the DePaul basketball staff. Yeah. Uh, And, and that was, I ended up uh, hanging out with the director of operations uh, for the rest of that year. He was one of my buddies there because he had contacts all over the city. That's when they had Quentin Richardson. Oh yeah. Basketball was actually something then. And all he had to do was show his DePaul basketball stuff. And he got in anywhere he wanted to go. Nice. He would just hook these guys up with DePaul gear. And it was, oh, yeah. And I would even go to Murphy's um, on my own or with other guys. And they said, hey, weren't you here with Sean the other night? I said, yeah. And he goes, we got you. I love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I went to, I don't know, five or six games at Wrigley Field. Um, so I, I moved there in July. Of a year, and then I I was there for a whole year, so I caught a couple games that that first year. And then I went to some the next season too.
0: Yeah, I, well, I went to New York right after well, college, I guess. Um, and living, I worked out their summer camps and such, so I was familiar with the place. But working in the media was a whole different story. Like I worked for a twenty-four hour news station, News Twelve, Long Island. And uh, at first, I was an editor, so that didn't really get you in the doors but then they moved me to be a, like a dual editor and a videographer. And you spoke of not having, you know, smartphones, like you can just Google map that mm-hmm. we had these books in the back and they'd be like grid four page, whatever, just flip it open. That's where you're going. And you kind of have to figure out how to get there by just looking at this map. Uh, I'm jealous of the, I'm sure the news crews now that they could just easily Google that stuff because i Uh, driven around a lot of long Island cities going, no, it was that exit. Oh man, it was that street, you know, with a reporter (laughs) going, we got to get this story. And I, I hated the news side of it. I mean, really uh, it was just crazy bleeds that lead stuff um, that you could imagine. I was there during nine 11. So that, but yet every once in a while I would get to work with sports, which was my thing. And so like, I got to go into Jet locker room a lot because it was right on Long Island, and Herm Edwards and I tell a story a ton. I went in one time, got to meet him. And, you know, you get to meet every coaches, and then with your the, your sports guy, he knows every every coach and every person mm-hmm. and like that. So got to meet Herm Edwards, great guy, cool guy. I come back weeks later, we're doing another press conference. Herm Edwards comes up to me, "What's up, big guy? Hey, just how you doing?" Like remembered me. Like knew who I was. And I was like, I haven't been here for weeks. Like, and it was just, you remember the Wyoming part? That's because yeah. I don't sound like every New Yorker. So they're like, oh, the Wyoming part. And uh, they would always, they bring up sailors. They bring up Flynn they, and maybe Finnis. We'll throw that one in there too every once in yeah. a while if they find out I'm from Wyoming. And uh, so it was, it was great. And Herm Edwards, when he was coaching the Jets, he went and gave St. John's a pep talk. And they beat number four ranked Duke, and all every player was like Herm Edwards gave us his pep talk, and we went out and conquered the world, and it was great. I was like, that's one coach like I would play for, and he reminded me a lot of Joe Glenn, and how Joe Glenn every time I'd see him, he would be like Justin Flasgrew, Laramie Wyoming coach D He would oh, yeah. like, rattle off my stats after meeting yeah. me once, and I worked on a lot of uh, coaches shows with him. But after meeting once, every time I saw him, it was d Laramie High School. And I was like, that's how he remembers people. And so it was interesting like that. And then uh, I, we all went to one big like uh, jet giant thing, like a, a auction and such. And I I got to interview Michael Strahan. Like, I had to ask him a few questions because they just sent me alone. loan. I'm like, if you can get Strahan, talk to him. And so next thing I know, I'm, I'm surrounded with media. And we got Strahan in front of us, this brick of a huge man. And I'm like, ask, I don't know what the questions I'm asking questions and, and got what we needed, but I was like, wow, that was, that was fun. Uh, I was on the field for Mets Braves. The first game played after nine 11, oh, uh, wow. we were covering, not for sports. We were covering it for the personal side of it. And they put us media in the, in the dugout with the Braves. And there's like Glavin, Jones, like every brave I hate, Cause I'm a Yankee fan, <laughs> but respect as a baseball player, yeah. like respect. So I'm just like drooling over my sports stand, but you got to keep it together. And that that was kind of like the hard part on being in the media and stuff. It was like, I wanted to cheer and I wanted to say so much as a fan, even at the university of Wyoming, when I travel and stuff, but I had to keep it together. I'd to keep non I'd keep that that straight face going. Oh yeah, that was great not just the do Yeah. I were you
1: there? <laughs> were you there for the Herm Edwards press conference
0: practice? No, you play <laughs> to win the game. <laughs> yeah. You
1: play to win the game.
0: I wish everyone asked me that one. No, I wish I would have been there for that one. That would have um, been cool. I even, there was our, our main sports guy. Our main sports anchor was Bob Wolf and he interviewed Babe Ruth. The guy was old. Like uh, Babe Ruth, I might've been out of baseball, but this Bob Wolf had been around for a long time. He just passed away not too long ago. And they had, their sports videographer had let, like quit. And so I was up for the job, but they brought in somebody from our studio, even though Bob Wolf endorsed, it was a whole, polit- not political thing, but just a, well, we fired all these people and we let a bunch of people go. So we're going to save one of them and make them a videographer for sports. And I'm like, either you know how to shoot sports or you don't. Like you can't mm-hmm. just take a t- news guy and make him a sports videographer. I had the eye because I had worked so much here and everything. And so I was like so mad. Like it and a lot of few other things in my life were going on. So I was like, I'm leaving. I quit and I came back here and got a job at the university. Uh, but I it was exciting to work out there. There was a lot of opportunity. I don't know if I'd ever do it again unless I was rich, like live in New York. Yeah, I don't
1: you gotta be you gotta be rich to live in some of those cities anymore.
0: And so what got you back to Laramie?
1: Well, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed my position in Chicago. It was one of those things that um, if I was probably five years younger at the time, I would have enjoyed it even that much more. But the traveling, um, I traveled to a college football game almost every week throughout the season, which I totally loved. Uh, yeah. But I would leave on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, come home on a Sunday morning, ah. straight to the laundromat, do laundry, work on a Monday prep for the next week and go again. So um, uh, so it, it kind of wore on me a little bit. And then um, I just happened to call back to Laramie one time to talk to Kevin McKinney in the sports information office. And um, I remember where I was in LA going to an Alabama UCLA football game. I was just on my way to the game. And I was like, you know, I'm going to call, or it was a day before the game, excuse me. I was just, I'm going to call with the heck of it. And Tom Berman actually had He just happened to be standing there when Diane answered the phone and said, is that Jared? And she goes, yeah. He gets on the phone and, Hey, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and I told him that, you know, I just got a raise and just got a promotion type of deal and stuff like that. And he goes, okay, sounds good. See you later. And i then I thought about it for a couple of days and I said, you know what? He was trying to ask me something. Uh So I called back and I said, Tom, what were you trying to ask? And he goes, Well, we have two positions open, and I was going to see if you were interested, but it sounded like you were doing just fine. So, and one was a marketing position and one was a Cowboy Joe position. And um, I applied for both of them, interviewed for both of them, and uh, was offered uh, both of them actually at the time, and uh, decided I would take the Cowboy Joe position. I uh, wanted to do something you know different and uh, put on my resume development and stuff like that. So. I kind of had aspirations of being an athletics director at the time, oh, yeah. and um, you know had a couple pieces of the pie uh, covered, but I didn't have anything in development, and that was a key part of it, and definitely is today, of uh, being that way. So I, I um, moved back to Laramie to be in the Cowboy Joe.
0: And so, <clears throat> what is Cowboy Joe for the people that don't know at home?
1: <laughs> well, it's not the radio state, station.
0: No. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. It's the development arm for the athletics department at University of Wyoming. Uh, raise money for student-athlete scholarships, um, coaches' bonuses, and things like that. So uh, back then it was uh, John Stark and I. He's still with the foundation today, uh, but um, it was just a two-person operation for the most part um, as far as the fundraising goes. Um, and then we had uh, you know some staff. We had a couple of ladies that helped us out. We had a full-time accountant and things like that. And then. We grew it to a third person, um, was able to bring a friend back from the university. He went to the University of Montana, brought him back. He moved on to marketing, Dan Hawley, you know him. Okay. And then uh, brought in uh, Dusty Clements, a good friend who was actually working at the Big Sky Conference. Uh, so um, when, when Dan went downstairs to marketing and uh, Dusty uh, came, he was in media relations too. So uh, there's some of us that just uh, were, I don't know, maybe checking the boxes of different areas <laughs> of athletics departments and Dusty's still in um, development today at the university of Minnesota. Um, so that was a good career choice for him, uh, change. And then, um, so I was there until 2007. And at that time there were some changes that had been made there. Um, and, um, so I decided I would do something different. And that's when Dan Hawley had moved over to Learfield sports on the sports marketing side. And, uh, So he asked me if I wanted to come to work for them. So I uh, started with Learfield and then Dan had moved on, uh, to Boise state. And then I was offered the general manager position of Wyoming sports Properties slash Learfield sports. And I was there through 2000, I'm gonna get these dates wrong, uh, 12 or 13. And then they asked me to move to Colorado Springs to start up the Mountain West Conference sports properties for Learfield. So I did that for a year. And during that time, I started dating my now wife and we got engaged and got married in 2014. So I decided that Cheyenne would be our home um, and so forth. So.
0: So you're currently in Cheyenne? Yep, Currently in Cheyenne. Yep, Nice. And and so you're not with Learfield anymore, but you've No, I'm with
1: Town Square Media. So um, we're actually the third largest ownership group of radio stations across the country. A lot of people don't know how big Town Square actually is, Uh, but we have three stations in Cheyenne, uh, two stations in Laramie, uh, and then six stations in Casper, just in this immediate area, and then um, five down in Fort Collins. And um, then we have some standalone websites. I referenced uh, 7220sports.com earlier, WildPreps.com, LaramieLive.com, things like that.
0: So, wow, learn me Live, I get a lot of my info from them. So, thank you. There you go. Uh, what is your like day-to-day job? What do you do?
1: do, you do? Um, I sell media. Sell media. So, um, I'm title doesn't really mean much to me, but I'm sales manager but uh, you know just out seeing clients and that, that's what I like to do I, I like the interaction and especially uh, since COVID a lot of the restrictions have been lifted it's been good to get back and see people face to face and stuff like that um, but you know just helping small businesses um, thrive and uh, you know tell their story and why people should shop with them why people should buy things from them and um, and we have a full a portfolio of ways to do that. It's not just over-the-air broadcast radio and 30-second or 60-second ads. Um, digital ads on our websites. Uh, we have programmatic digital ads where we can target you. We're those pesky people that sell those ads that follow you around. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ha- and we have live events um, and and stuff too. So it, it's it's been a great. Uh, move for me you know i'd sold radio with learfield but it was a totally different type of selling radio um because if you know there was a network of 26 stations and we carried football and basketball and that was it uh but with uh you know with town Square media we have a lot of different areas that we can uh, fit you into whether it be weather you know just or just 30s playing between two songs type of a deal so
0: um do you, do your stations, do, do they have like online listening as well too, besides just. Yeah. Airwaves?
1: Every station that um, that town Square has, and there's 330 some stations across the country. Every one of them has their own standalone website and their, and their own app as well. And it's um, free online streaming. Um, so you, you can radio pup is owned by town square uh you can go to radio pop and you can find any station that um Town owns on radio Pup. and uh so yeah so if you're if you want to listen to music your favorite music station i actually listen to a couple out of our texas markets um so i really like red dirt country music yeah and um so i listen to those all the time and then but if you're living in new york and wanted to hear the pokes Um, you can pull up the KCGY uh, app and listen to basketball games on KCGY or football on KOWB.
0: That would have been handy when I lived out there. I swear, I called the lost years. Well, football was coning years, uh, so I don't count to me because we won a total, (laughs) like, one game or whatever. I
1: I had to live through those.
0: (laughs) Yeah, brutal. Um, I think I caught one on TV. I think we played Tennessee, and I was like, oh, yeah, we suck. And uh, so I missed a lot of the Wyoming stuff, but it wasn't the best years as far as. Football goes, basketball. We're we're all right then with McLean and such. Um, yeah, I was interested about make, seeing if you had online listeners and stuff like that for the stations because I do have my own radio station and everything, and it's oh, it's it's a struggle because with the instant like you know Spotify's and stuff like that to go up against those um, type type subscription services when you offer like great programs and stuff like that for people to listen to our specific you know areas like you said red dirt. A uh, country, and so you can listen to theirs down there, but you still get the feel of it. It's not like you just on demand your favorite 10 songs. You can do that at your house, you know. And so I always encourage people listen, keep listening to radio stations, whether it be online, whether it be in your car and stuff like that, because it's just there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, and it's really fun to make radio shows. And radio's free. You don't have to pay a subscription to any of it <laughs> and it's yeah. never, never
1: going to die. Uh, and cause every vehicle comes equipped with a radio and yes, there's the, all the other devices and connections you can have in those in the new vehicles today, but, um, they aren't as used as one would think they are according to our
0: data anyway. Yeah.
1: I mean, right over the air radio is still king. So.
0: I, I mean, I have Sirius in my car um but i also have i also say there's only one dj in my car and that's dj rude so <laughs> like it really only hangs on for x amount of time I almost listen like nfl or something but a lot of the time i just pull up the pot in my ipod and listen to my own mixes of music mm-hmm. or well, sometimes local stuff sometimes i'm like somebody else dj for me for a little bit and yeah. uh, but otherwise yeah I'm, I, I i could see that because like I've listened to like, uh, yeah, serious. And I'll be like, okay, have they played the same Dave Matthews song on lithium once again at the same time each day? Come on, let's hit. Oh, I know it's the
1: same programming for like three or four days in a row. And, and if you are in your vehicle at that same time, it's like, I just yeah. heard this
0: yesterday, same time. So. And There's days where I'll be like, this is a lithium song. Oh, come on. Yeah. Like, just because it was played around other lithium type songs doesn't make it like it was interesting, like that. My my knock on on those type things, but I still <laughs> I, I can't get enough. Like, you know, I love radio and music and and everything. So whatever how it's ever delivered to my ears, oh man, I can't get enough at halftime. So I'm glad it's still out there and radio never dies. It's free. We keep our station free too, as well. So uh, no. just so we can play whatever we want. That's kind of people are like, do you want advertising? I'm like, nope. Cause I got songs that they don't want to advertise that I play. So yeah, you know, I'm going to keep it free. And uh, i got one last question for you. Yep. And I ask everyone this one since the show is called all my friends with Justin Fosker, how'd we meet?
1: I'm going to have to say when you were
0: probably DJing at love Joys. I'm going to go back further. Really? Weren't you a manager at the parlor? Yes. Yeah, I was a DJ for you at the parlor.
1: Okay, when Kurt Benson and Kurt Whitehead and I were yeah. all up there?
0: Yeah. Like, um, I was 20 when I first started going there. And uh, yeah, I know. Crazy. I turned 21 and I remember them like, you're 21 now? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want any free drinks or anything like that. Just want to hang out at my favorite bar. Because by then I was just a regular. And within a couple of weeks, uh, Benson was like, hey, Rude, you like music? And I was like, well, yeah. He's like, you want to be a DJ, and I was like, yeah. I had no idea what I was, getting, uh no, no clue. I saw the guys do, you know, carry their stuff in. Yeah. And all I needed a tutorial on how to run the equipment. And next thing I know, was like a Thursday night DJ at, at the parlor, one of the hottest bars in Laramie, where it lines out the door. Yeah, and you were working there, and I, I know I, I met you through sports information but I was probably intimidated by you because you're a year maybe older than me, but I was thought you were like, like, not just a, like a, a student worker, like you were further up oh, the no. ranks. I was just
1: one of Kevin and Tim's peons.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had no idea of that. So, but cause you handled yourself very professionally there uh, in sports information world. And so by the time we were working together at the parlor, like, I was like, Oh my God, you know, this guy's got it together. Like a much more mature person. I learned differently, but <laughs> I mean, it was, it was that. And, and so, yeah, it was further back. And then, yeah, eventually I got to love Joyce, but I had left um, for a couple of years in New York. And that's an interesting scenario. How I became the DJ there is that I uh, spent all my money there when I first moved back to Laramie because hanging out all the time, I was like, might as well work there. I worked at bars before I'll be a bouncer. That's I've done that, you know? And so I get a application. I turn it into the manager, Kara. And she's like, you're a DJ, right? And I was like, oh, it's been a couple of years. And my music taste had kind of changed from when I left DJ in the parlor to, to where I was at at the time. Like, I didn't have any much of my DJ music left. And she's like, oh, you're a new DJ. And I was like, uh, okay. And she's like, just come in this night, learn the system, and you'll take over for this guy named Chris. And I was like, all right. And he was going into law school, I understand, and everything. And get really wasted at the end of the night so he's kind of a hard guy to deal with so i understand why they wanted to dj like me <laughs> and uh because i wasn't that guy uh, there was i didn't i didn't you're still working so I, you can't just get shit hammered so i had to keep it together i mean there was plenty of times i was drunk djing but not enough to be a spectacle and uh so that was weird because I, I i didn't ever pursue to be a dj at the parlor it just kind of fell in my lap I didn't know uh, Lovejoy is kind of that way too, but I've made like a life off it. People call me my name. Like it's my first and last name. Like, oh, DJ Rude, what's up? And I'm like, what's my real name? And they're like, I DJ. I don't I'm know. Like, Isn't it crazy how my parents named me DJ and I became one. <laughs> That's that the craziest thing ever. And so, so but, he, yeah.
1: Yeah. So now you say that I, I do remember back to the parlor days and yeah, yeah. I apologize for that. So and I wouldn't doubt if we even had a class together uh, sports broadcasting with Dave Walsh.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if Yeah. We were right around there. Like I was always, I was lucky. It was the first day I didn't have to work one time a game where we got to sit in the booth with Dave. That was the best. I learned how, like, I didn't realize you had the cheat sheets with the name oh, yeah. three deep you could flip it over offense, defense. Yep. I, I was like, all right. And it, learning that kind of stuff from dave and how good he was oh my gosh, still he's nice. still good like and we did so many shows together we did a bunch of uh, sports shows with coaches shows people. yeah, coaches shows and like one particular sports team show i know we interviewed reese and this was a good one we we had it staged where because reese was you know kicking ass at wrestling and everything and he comes in to end the show and picks Dave up and carries him off screen to end the show. <laughs> we, I think we did it three or four times, and everything. But it was fun like that. Dave was a good sport like that to do it. But I would love it. We like we like. Okay, you got two minutes to give this intro, and he would nail it every single time down to two minutes. I can't even do that. Like to the day. Like I have to. Uh, it's just such skillful production, and I do a lot of stuff with this podcast, my radio shows, and I can't even get my shows barely on time. And I'm like he's, and so it's a good mentor to learn from. And I was like, now he's only doing football, which is yep. which is cool. At least I, if I turn it on, I'll, I'll be familiar voice. The day I don't be able to hear those guys doing cowboy football and basketball is going to be a weird, weird day.
1: It is, yeah, and it's um because so many of us grew up with it, and yeah, I still remember where I was in 1988. Uh, the comeback at Air Force. Um, I was listening to Dave and Dave, and at that time, I believe it was George K. doing color on the radio. Um, I was in a tractor <laughs> back at the ranch, and I, I listened to that entire game while I was in a tractor. And is that the I, voice is just in my memory forever? Yeah, yeah. And I
0: had the vision. Was it Welniak Plan QB?
1: Yeah, and uh Sean Fleming hit the win it. Uh Mitch Donahue sacked D Dallas and got a fumble.
0: Like, um Mitch was a broadcasting major. And so they would when he was in school, they would load him up with equipment he could carry it all. Mm -hmm. And and so they would joke when I came in, I stepped out be like, Oh, he's like Mitch, you can load up with all the equipment you want and he'll carry it all. And I was like, I'm not built like that guy. I mean, and that those were one of the first, like, athletes I got to meet. Walking indoors, the star defensive player, you know, and it's Mitch, and he was so nice and everything. And now we're friends on Facebook and talk to him when he comes to fix the town and such. You remember so I what he like, would do after every sack? I can't remember. No.
1: Ah. He always gave the hang loose sign for some reason. I, I never asked him why. But he you would sack quarterback and you'd go –
0: we need to, and they got drafted by the Niners. So I was like in heaven. Yep. But he was such a small defensive end that they kind yeah, of. Yeah, he had to was stand a, him up. a
1: tweener. I would,
0: you yeah. know, position wise. Yeah, they had to stand Put him up a lot. Turn a Defensive end of, for the NFL, anyway. Yeah, it was hard. I and, and he went to the Broncos after that, I think. So, but yeah, it was uh, that was fun to meet those kind of people when you didn't have access. Where like at most schools in broadcasting, you wouldn't have touched the camera and anything like that, or done half the stuff I did until you senior year. And I was doing it all when I was much younger, just because I had the access in the beginning and was good at what I did. Luckily, even though it mm-hmm. ruined, <clears throat> I always say it, it ruined my college social life because <laughs> like I had to, I was at every sporting event, no matter what we had to do seniors tapes. And then I had to edit show the coaches show. So if you got back from Hawaii at four in the morning, I was editing at four in the morning. Yep. And, and so like, and that coach, show, so I couldn't go out and part, I had a party on weird days, like a Tuesday or something or just go out afterwards and i was like i'd always tell my friends i was like no wonder why i slept like 12 16 hours once i was on vacation because i didn't take time to sleep i was either drinking studying doing sport and stuff like there was no time to sleep during that time period and then i'd go home for break and my little sister would be like you slept for like 12 hours and i was like you go to college <laughs> you'll understand
1: yeah and that that is one thing that i you know, I missed as well because I had to be able, I was at almost every football practice with yeah. a trainer and then just all the events we worked and stuff like that, the nights and the weekends, I wouldn't exchange it for anything except for, I never got to attend a Norwegian Olympics. Me neither. Yeah. I never got to go up there and, um, I really wish I would have been able to experience one of those because I heard so many great stories
0: and I'm Norwegian. <laughs> like I'm have Norwegian, like there's my people, and I was a good skier at the time. I was I, I don't know why I never made it. I didn't have enough friends that to get going up there, like to get us, and we probably didn't have cool enough cars to drive up. Like we had shitty cars. Well, I think
1: they had buses that left the safe buses. parking lot, if I'm not mistaken. Ah oh, man. Big thing back then.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I, yeah, that's something I there love. needs to be
1: like a reunion. All those Norwegian skiers need to come back and throw a big party up there and let's go do it.
0: Yes, if you're listening. We're in. We need a big party after this we'll COVID find stuff. you. We'll find you. We need this big party. I can't wait to get out of the COVID. So did you with your job in COVID, did you have to do a lot more work from home then?
1: Yeah, we we transitioned um from home. Uh we uh our company got into the Teams, uh oh, yeah. Microsoft yeah. Teams stuff and so we started doing a lot of calls that way and then introducing it to our clients because a lot of our clients in these small businesses, they were, they didn't know what Zoom was or know what Microsoft Teams was. And, you know, it. and what's great about where we are here in Wyoming, they all understand it as good as anybody. Like when I can't make it to Laramie from Cheyenne because of the roads. Yeah. You know what? I'll see you the next time you're here, type of deal, or we can handle it over the phone or email.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That and that stuff doesn't happen in in you know in larger markets and stuff like that. And it was the same with COVID. We were all in it together, and we were all going to get through it together. And um, and then we slowly started transitioning to where we could see clients in person. You know, of course, uh, the ones that would allow you to come in. You know, wear your mask, do all the right things. And then it you know it opened up slower. You know, or more and more after that and, um, and not back to normal by any means, but we're, we're dang close.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess lots of things were born out of COVID and, and being able to um, digitally interact. I mean, this podcast was kind of born out of it. Uh, My original plan was to drive around, do this face to face. So I was like, I got friends all over the place. They tell great stories about their lives. Let's, Let's put a microphone in front of them. I want to hear this. Mm-hmm. And then episode one was, or two was the only one that was face to face and the rest have been via zoom, which <clears throat> right now, Hey, they mix all the audio for me. So I'm not complaining <laughs> all that much. Um, and so, but I do have a setup for my laptop that, that will have a couple of microphones and everything. So I'm ready to get it on the road when I can. Um, I'm shocked. And it made it two seasons and everybody's kind of still wanting to be guests on the show. And, I've learned a lot and it's good to catch up with people when we've been in isolation a lot. And, and, and so get a check in and hear the stories and, and it's yeah, about, not being able to like,
1: come and stand with you guys in the student section for football games right now. Yeah. Last season. So
0: yeah, I can't wait for that. Like, Oh, there's so many things around, like, man, I used to be, take for granted and now I'm like, I'm going to do it all. So everybody get vaccinated if you can. And, uh, let's get back to, uh, hanging out in the student section of football games. Man, I want to thank you for being on my show. And thank you for inviting me. This was fun. to cbjradio.com yet it's a free internet radio station brand new shows each and every day now shows range from hip-hop to rock to 80s to an all-independent artist shows to a friday night request show and don't forget about retro saturday nights as well make cbj radio the only internet radio station you listen to sorry jared i had to promote my radio station But we're just a blip compared to Town Square Media. So I don't see us biting into the huge market that Town Square Media covers. Now, if you're looking for your message or product to get out there, especially in smaller communities here in Wyoming and around the United States, contact Jared at Town Square Media. Wow. Two promotion spots. On to the next episode. (music)